Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist and I'm joined by my financial planner friend Joshua Gersler who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. Hello. If you would like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. This episode is split into two sections. We'll start off by trying to shed some light on a confusing financial term in our alien concept section and finish off by looking at an issue that we come across when running our businesses in a penny for your thoughts. We hope you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. You've been busy, Mark, haven't you? I have. I bought a car. You bought a car? I thought I, I saw something shiny on the driveway. People say the economy is suffering, but I have been... You're boosting it? Boosting the used car market. Very good. What, did, what car is it? It's an Audi... A5 Cabriolet. Very nice. It feels like a grown-up car, which is strange because I am technically a grown-up. Well, I'm 35 now. Very good. You don't look it. Thank you. Do I look older? Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a step down from your rusty Ford KA that you've been driving. That's the thing. I'm used to um, driving around old bangers. Yeah. The last, the last no time way to talk about your mother. <laughs> the last time I purchased a car was when I was 17, a young boy racer, yeah. and um, I got a Fiat Uno. Okay. And still had a choke. No one can see me doing the choke action in a podcast. I was wondering what you choke. And what was your first car? My first car, I shared my with my sister. She had a Renault Clio, which she okay. got when she was 17. And being the second child, I didn't get a car I had to share with her. Yeah. But I didn't mind. But what happened if you both needed it? She got priority, obviously. Because I was the little brother. Yeah. I remember when I, I, when I got my first job, my first proper job at Deloitte, I bought myself a Ford Fiesta. Oh. I know, big money. And I had that for 10 years. And I remember when I changed cars a few years ago to a Lexus CT, and I felt like a fraud. I thought yeah. I was driving this Lexus, and I should be driving a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Is that what you're like with your Audi A5? I feel like I'm too young to be driving a car with kind of because it, it's got sort of leather seats and all these kind of gadgets like seatbelts that awesome. seatbelts. So that's no, very seat belt, no. Um, it's got the seatbelt kind of pushes out and comes in line with your shoulder. So rather than having to reach back yeah. and pull it, when you start the engine, it just goes and comes forward, and then you pull it down, so you don't have to stretch anymore. Very exciting. It's good for my old 35-year-old bones. It is. So yeah. we uh, anyone left us any feedback? I'm glad you asked. We do have some feedback via iTunes from a listener called Mr. Zach. Mr. Zach. Yeah, he says, brilliant personal finance education. You wait until you've heard about cars, Mr. Zach. Um, the hosts both have a very nice, easy style and explain tricky concepts in layman's terms. That's the only way we understand them in layman's that's terms. That's true. For someone who has never considered himself very financially literate, this is a really valuable listen. Keep them coming. Thanks, Zach. Zach. Please do leave your own reviews. You can do so via iTunes. And we will do our best to read them out on the show. But there are actually some other places now where you can post feedback and listen to the show. Now you can leave reviews on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Fantastic. You can find us um, at In For A Penny. Just search In For A Penny Podcast on Facebook. And we're also now on Podbean. Oh, lovely. Yes, we have our own Podbean page. If you search for us via the app of the Podbean desktop site. Okay, very good. 
that sound means it's time for this episode's Alien Concept, where we discuss a piece of business or financial jargon, why it makes no sense, and, ha- and how it can be simplified. So let's get our tombola of jargon set up. Do you want to get it rolling? I'll get it rolling. Okay. Here we go. Round and round and round it goes. Where it will stop, no one knows. Hey, what's that from? That's a nursery rhyme. Yeah, what, which one's that? Um... Is it a nursery rhyme? Something from a kids' think, TV show. I think. Maybe. It's I'm going to play bus. Is it? It could be. Yeah. It's the Y bird stop. Yeah. Anyway, who have anyway, we got in our tombola? And it is this episode's alien concept is inflation. Hey. So shall I start by telling you what I think inflation is? Sure. And why I think it's important. Yeah. Inflation, as I understand it, is the cost of living and how much things like your energy bills your um, broadband and your mortgage are and it's all kind of bundled together and put into this strange percentage that you refer to and if that's kind of high you think oh things are quite expensive and if it's low you think oh things are really cheap okay and then you use that as a sort of benchmark for things like your mortgage and your savings. So if your savings are paying less than the rate of inflation, it means you probably need to be earning more because you're paying more than what you're earning on your interest. And the same with your mortgage. If you're paying more on your mortgage than inflation. But Tell what you how you... I would define inflation. Okay. Very simply, because we like to keep things Let's simple. Let's keep things simple. I'd say inflation is things getting more expensive. Ah. That's, that's it, I think. You see sometimes on the news when people talk about inflation as a basket of goods and the... Um, inflation rate is made up of all the different things we pay for or have or things we need in life but this changes as our habits change as our kind of buying and living habits change so i'm going to quiz you on things that are in the inflation basket and things that aren't okay okay are you ready i'm ready it's like supermarket sweet this is called in or out okay okay i'm ready it's, dale it's brexit themed by the time this show goes out we could be in or out okay dale. Of, of the european union so joshua Thank you for coming to In or Out. So I'm going to say... I'm I'm really nervous. I've never been on a TV show before. Where are you from? Uh, um, What, the accent? Well, yeah. Somewhere north of where we are. Somewhere (laughs) north. Okay, have you brought anyone with you today? Yeah, I've got my mum and my nan that are watching. Lovely. So in, I'm going to name an item. You have to tell me if it's in or out. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Envelopes. Out. Correct. Envelopes were recently removed from the inflation basket because people are sending less, fewer letters. They're using that email. Dinner plates. Out. No, dinner plates are in. Oh, okay. They've replaced crockery sets. That, I mean, that is fascinating. Yeah. Hi-fis. Out. Correct. What do you think has replaced hi-fis? Online music streaming. Yep. Yeah. Or portable speakers. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Washing powder. In. No, washing powder is out. Because people aren't washing nowadays? Because that and people apparently use washing liquids, like the liquid tabs instead. Okay. And that was the end of In or Out. I think you got most of those right. Okay. Congratulations, you are an inflation expert. <laughs> Tell me more about inflation. So I told you what I would give as a, a definition, so prices going up. Do you remember when you were younger... And your grandparents used to say, when I was a lad, a loaf of... They were not northern, my grandparents. No, I don't know why I've still got yeah. this northern accent. Yeah. When I was a lad, a loaf of bread was two and six, and now it's ACP. You remember anyone ever saying anything like that? Not in that accent, but yeah. 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 So prices get more expensive as time goes on. 
And inflation is probably one of the biggest dangers to your personal finances because you need to make sure that your money is growing at least the same rate as inflation. Otherwise, you are losing money. So, for example, if the inflation rate is 2% and your money is in the bank growing at half a percent, the value of your money, what you can do with your money, is going down by minus 1.5% each year. Does that make sense? Yes. So you want to make sure if inflation is 2% that your assets are growing by 2% as well. So at least you're standing still. So how does it relate to other financial products? Because I guess people sometimes look at just savings rates because you get a fixed percentage. So as you said, you could have a savings rate paying 1% like a bank account. Yeah. And inflation can be 2%. But what if in terms of a pension or investments, there's no set rate there. So how can you make sure that beats inflation? Well, over the long term, investments tend to outperform inflation and to beat inflation. On any individual year, your investment may be down. But over the long term, they tend to outperform inflation. How worried should you be about inflation going up? I wouldn't say it's something you need to worry about, but it's something you need to be aware of. Because if the cost of living is going up, and that tends to be what we refer to with inflation, the cost of living, and your earnings, your salary has stayed the same, then what you can do with your salary has gone down. You have less purchasing power should you care about the cost of living if you're not paying for things that are in the inflation basket yes because i I don't think you need to sit there and study the inflation i don't think you need to worry about it like that but just because something you buy isn't in the inflation basket doesn't mean the price of it is not changing milk i believe is one of the goods in the inflation basket if you are dairy free and you don't drink milk you'll still be drinking something else soya milk or whatever it Maybe. I guess when it comes to inflation, it, a lot of it may depend on your age because you could be, if you're a young person, saving for a mortgage deposit, you need a savings account to beat inflation so that you're beating the cost of living and um, saving a decent amount. But also when, it comes to ret- um, when you're older and it comes to retirement, inflation may work in a different way. When you are thinking about your future and your retirement, You need to make sure that you know how much money you're going to spend in retirement. And then you've got to make sure you've got enough income to cover that. But if you forget to factor in inflation, you could be in trouble. Because if you start off saying, I'm going to spend £50,000 a year in my retirement, it's not going to stay £50,000 for your whole 30, 40 year retirement. Each year that's going to go up a bit because of inflation. So you need to make sure your income is doing the same thing. How regularly is that reviewed? Because obviously the inflation rate comes out each month, but I guess you can't change your how much you're drawing down each month. You can do if you want to. It's probably a bit much to do that every month. We'll tend to um, plan once a year with our clients how much money they're going to take out over the next, not just 12 months, but the next decades as well. But we'll look at it annually. The clients we work with tend to be, let's say, well-trained they know the things that they can control and things they can't control and the things they do need to worry about or don't need to worry about. And that isn't one of them. I don't know if you remember, um, you weren't born, lad of your age, but the early 1900s, I think around the First World War. It's a bit before my time. The hyperinflation in Germany. Yeah. Where people, prices have got so expensive that to buy things, people had to walk down the street with wheelbarrows of money. Do you remember studying that in school? I do. 
There you go. Or more recently in the, uh, I think, late 90s and early 2000s in Zimbabwe, inflation was rather than 2% or so, which we aim for in the UK, it was about a billion percent. Yeah. That, I'd worry a bit more if I was in that situation, <laughs> but we don't need to worry about it in the UK. What about when it comes to insurance? Because obviously, well, you can get different insurance products, can't you? Like income protection and critical illness. I guess similarly with a pension, over time, a level of protection you need could also change. Absolutely right. So with our clients, with a lot of policies, we'll make sure that inflation is factored into it. So to give an example, I've got a client who are doing some protection for at the moment, some life insurance, and they need, we worked out, a policy that's going to pay them £24,000 a year if either of them die. But that's in today's money. So £24,000 today is not going to be worth the same in a few years' time. So we've built inflation into that policy so that each year the amount that they would get paid out increases. Because I also have insurance as linked to inflation and I'll get a letter regularly from the provider saying uh, the inflation rate has changed so your premium, the amount you pay each month, is going to go up. But then there's not a lot of ex- explanation in that letter about what, why it's going up, like wh- why it sort of covers you. Uh, so a lot of people may just look at the price and think, well, I don't want to spend an extra £20 a month. Is there a risk that people look at that pricing and sort of forget about the long term? Yeah, a lot of people will see the increase and then think, I'm not paying that. And that is normally a mistake. Obviously, you've got to be able to afford to pay it. So you shouldn't pay for something you haven't got the money to do. But um, with most of these policies, if you don't accept the inflation increase one year, they won't offer it to you again in future years. Oh, so that's you, dangerous. Yeah, so if you decline it now, your, the value of your policy in in real terms goes down. I think if you've got a financial advisor or a financial planner, they're there to support you and help you make sensible financial decisions. If you take out a policy on your own, you probably don't know about these type of things. Another example of um, inflation and how it can impact on your personal finances, I meet clients in their, all ages, but sometimes they come to me in their 60s think, saying, I want to start, I want to retire. I asked them for details of their pensions and they show me this pension they've been paying into for 40 years and they started paying £10 a month into their pension when they were in their 20s because that was a lot of money uh, 40 years ago but never increased it. Ah. They've been paying £10 a month for 40 years and can't work out why there's not much money in there. And that's another thing uh, about inflation. £10 was a lot of money then. It's not a lot of money now. Yeah. You need to make sure you keep increasing your contributions into your pensions or your savings um, each year, just a little bit, nudge them up a little bit each year to keep pace with uh, inflation. How much should you increase it by? Well, everyone's circumstances are different. It's got to be based on what you can afford to put in and what you're trying to get out at the end. But if you could just do a little bit each year, whatever that little bit is, it, it will help. How much of a risk is it when people look at the inflation rate and there's this target of 2% that people speak about? I don't know any clients that follow the inflation rate. Do you follow it? As a personal finance journalist, I look at it and I see um, press releases and marketing materials that come out from financial product providers that talk about an inflation-beating rate. And I'll often focus on being able to beat inflation. And often it's the high-risk products that that do that, which I think is a bit dangerous. It is very dangerous. You should never uh, invest in anything that you don't fully understand or that isn't in line with your attitude to risk. And ignore all the headlines, all the sensationalist things. Inflation has dropped by this amount, or it's rocketed to this amount. As I said, I think most individuals don't even look at it. You need to be aware of it, so that you can make sure your money is doing what it should be. But I don't think people look at it every time there's an announcement and and act upon that. 
and that's sensible. I've got an inflation quiz for you, Mark. Okay. Not that I've prepared it, so I'm going to take out my mobile phone from my pocket. Oh, glad that was your mobile phone you got out. Okay, so we spoke about milk. Yeah. Do you know, let's see if you actually do any shopping, how much does a pint of milk cost at the moment? Um, I'm going to go for 74p. It's actually, the average price is about 45p. (laughs) But that's your starting point, okay? 45p. Yeah, how much do you think... Uh, 10 years ago, in 1999, the average price of a pint of milk was? 21 pence. 34p. Oh, okay. 1989? 22p. 29p. Oh, no. And let's go back to 1971. 1971, 17p. 5p. 5p? So you did terribly in that, but it yeah. just goes to show you how th- the cost of things increases over time. Yeah. So you did terribly there, but I'll give you another chance. Okay. Okay. I know you like a beer occasionally. Milk and beer. Milk and beer. Don't mix. It's dangerous to mix your drinks. Uh, The average price of a pint of beer. This is draft lager, not your premium stuff that I sometimes see you drinking. Average price. So, well, I'm going to. I'm a bit London centric because we live near London, but I'm going to go for four pound fifty. Three pound sixty-seven. Okay. Okay. Ten years ago. Yeah. How much do you think a pint? Oh, I remember when beer was. £2.40. You did have foreign grandparents as well. <laughs> uh, £2.76. That was close. £19.99, a pint of beer? £1.80. Not bad, £1.92. And yeah. 1987 1987 pence 92p. 92p for a pint. No wonder they were all drunk <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah, so if you had... If your earnings were a pound a week, in 1987 you would have been able to buy a pint of beer for 92p... Yeah. And still have 8p change to wow. do something else with. If your income didn't increase and you still earn a pound, in 1999, you wouldn't be yeah. able to buy any beer because it costs £1.92. I don't want a party like it's 1999. No, you don't. So you need to make sure that your earnings are going up by the cost of living so you can keep buying beer. Or by the cost of beer. Correct. That's an interesting way of illustrating inflation. Thank you. And beer. Thank you. And that was this episode's Alien Concept. If there's any issues you'd like us to throw into the tombola, please do feel free to contact us on Twitter at InforAPennyPod1 and you can also comment via our Facebook page and wherever you access this podcast. What about, can they email you? You can email me if you like. Email me on, email me at mark at at mark at. No, email me on mark with a C at Cavendish Content. Oh. <laughs> it's very hard. It's very important to spell it with a C. People automatically go with K. C A R K. No, M A R K. Oh, so it's not Mark with a C. Well, how would you say it? M A R C. Email me at M A R C. Yeah, but do you spell your name? No, because mine's only spelled one way. Yes, but it's annoying that I should have to spell my name. People should just understand that it's Mark with a C. Okay, go on. So, what is your email address? Mark M A R C at CavendishContent.com. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed that. (laughs) And it's now time for a penny for your thoughts, where we discuss some of the social issues that come up in the workplace. I wanted to discuss sickness. Okay. I'll tell you for why. Is that after last episode's comments on presenteeism? I thought I'd go for something I could pronounce. It's one reason. I did have a few people come up to me and ask, uh, try and tell me how you pronounce it correctly. And I believe presenteeism is it. They did ask where you got presenteeism from. It sounds like you're saying two of the same words. That's the problem. (laughs) 
presentism. presentism. <laughs> what are you saying? We'll get there by the end of the series. So today we're talking about illness. Sickness. So someone um, came to my house for lunch who um, was actually poorly, feeling poorly, and he was going to cancel. and not Going can- to cancel. He was going to cancel. Yeah. But he chose not to because he thought he wasn't contagious and he felt well enough to come for lunch and didn't, didn't want to miss it. Okay. Uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that in the workplace. Okay, what did you have for lunch? Oh, not talk about the <laughs> meal, sorry. So when was the last time you had a sick day? It's hard for me because if I don't work, I don't get paid. Whereas if you're, um, if you're in an employed role, uh, you can have sick days and... Most of the time, if it's if it's the odd sick day, you still get paid, even if you're not at work. But for me, I won't get paid because I won't be doing any work. So it makes me feel guilty if I am sick. But that does often mean I can have um, man flu and still work through. But it often means I can make myself worse. Also, I have occasionally had a power nap in the middle of the day to make myself feel better. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind one of those. If you are an editor listening, that has never really, that has happened once or twice. That's nothing, as long as you're getting your work done. Yeah, I still get the work done and I have a good nap, which I would recommend. I went to a talk last year by a gentleman called Michael Caldfield, who's a sports psychologist. Yeah. And he actually said that a lot of people do have power naps in the middle of the day. I can't remember whether he does it. And it's a fantastic way to sort of boost you for the afternoon. So don't feel guilty about it. It did. made you more productive. It, I think it did. I felt so bad and I, I just couldn't sit up at my desk, mainly because of my posture, but also because I was feeling really ill and tired. And I had about an hour and a half. I mean, that's not a power nap. That's a, that's a sleep. Is that a sleep? <laughs> an hour and well, a how long is a power nap? 10 minutes, I would have thought. Really? Yeah. You can't nap in 10 minutes? But I think that is the definition of a nap. 10 minutes? Yeah. Oh. But what at your chair or because it's probably I, mean, ten I don't minutes. do it. I, I don't have that luxury. Yeah, some offices though do have places where you can go for a lie down. Yeah, I think these sort of like fancy snazzy Facebooks and Google's places like that have beds. That sounds yeah. lovely. I probably wouldn't, wouldn't get up there. That'd be me for the day. That probably take about ten minutes to find a bed, and then you've had your power nap. So I remember when back in the days when we used to go to school, not together. We didn't know each other then, right. but having a sick day then was a bit was quite exciting yeah you got to stay at home watch a bit of telly supermarket sweep let's bring that up again that used to neighbors. be on telly neighbors that was on twice a day in those yeah. days nowadays i think as you mature I, I don't see the point of having a sick day if I, unless i'm bedridden i'm working unless i'm that ill if i've got a cold all right so i'll carry on working there's no point just lying in bed is there a risk that you go in and you infect other people though? yeah i think you've got to be sensitive about it if you are sneezing over everyone and wiping your hands all over their keyboard then it's probably not sensible to go into work but i think unless you physically can't work what's the point of staying at home and watching telly what a waste of your life but isn't it distracting if you're kind of coughing and sputtering for other people You've got to be respectful for other people and I th- we had uh last week in uh, in my office one guy was a bit under the weather and he came in on monday not feeling particularly well but he worked through it, worked through on Tuesday. Wednesday he took off, and then he was back in Thursday on Friday. But fair play to him, he, he soldiered on. He was mummy's little soldier. Do you think that attitude of having to soldier on, does that make risk-making people worse? Yes, I think you've got to be sensible about it. Don't kill yourself for the sake of work. But at the same time, you're not going to get any better just sitting on your backside. You might as well keep yourself busy. Should people feel guilty about taking sick days? You only should feel guilty if you're doing something wrong. 
If you're genuinely ill, then there's no need to feel guilty. If you are taking the mick, then yes, you should feel guilty. If you are in a small firm and you take a day off but just because you don't fancy it, well, that has a massive impact on your firm. So as an employer, you want people to work as long as they can work. I never want people to be ill and to put themselves physically at harm. But if you're able to work, come in and do your work. Because I remember when I was in an employed role and I was very rarely sick. But if I was, I, it was quite bad and I would have to stay home and be bedridden. Yeah, I'd still go with a cold, but if I yeah, could get up and I felt really bad, then you'd have to phone up and explain that you were ill. And I think there is often that suspicion that you are faking, isn't there? If you have to sort of phone and explain it, you then sort of look back to your school days when you may have faked illness to miss double maths. Yeah, we have a policy, if you're not well, you call in. You don't send a text or a... Yeah. Because there's only a few of us there, we have yeah. respect for each other. You need to let people know if you're not there so other people can, can do what they need to do and look after the clients that you were looking after. But yeah, it's it's sort of that putting the voice on I'm yeah. really not well I, I can't come in today do you think anyone's ever faked it what are we talking about <laughs> do you think anyone's ever faked illness oh faked. um yeah I had one guy work for me who just had a ridiculous number of sick days he's no longer working for me right but in, in a row or just every week every Friday um I think it was just random yeah the, the days he picked but if you enjoy your work I love what I do. I don't see it as a job. Then you're going to do everything you can to do it. If you're not enjoying what you do and you don't value what you do and don't get anything out of it, then you're going to look for an excuse not to come in. So the slightest tickle of your nose, you're going to be staying in bed. Have you ever faked it? Talking about illness again. I think at school you're a bit, when you're a kid, yeah. you're a bit more, oh, I can't go in today, mummy. You know, you're a bit more um, creative with the truth. But as I said, as you get older and you mature, what is the point of sitting on your back? So life's too short. Do something with it. And if you don't want to be at work, find something that you do want to enjoy and do. You shouldn't be in that job if you're taking days off not to be there. Have you ever had to like sort of, sort of soldier in but then find you go home? I'll tell, you the, I tell you the last time I had to go home from work not feeling well. So a couple of years ago, I was sitting at my computer and I couldn't see my computer screen properly. Your glasses? No, I just thought this is a bit strange. I can't see properly. And I had a drink. Thought, you know, maybe it just blinking. I was looking around my screen and I had sort of vision was had, had gone funny. Never had it before. It was a bit worrying. And I was panicking. So I thought, so I called the optician her around the corner. They said, come in, we'll do some checks. My wife picked me up because I couldn't, couldn't uh, drive there. Um... Everything were, everything was fine, thank God. But they said it's a retinal migraine. So oh. you can have a type of migraine where your vision gets distorted. Went home, went to bed, took some pills, woke up a few hours later, was okay, and I carried on working at home. What about you? Since we're sharing our medical history. Um, <laughs> once I uh, was in my employed role at a newspaper website and went out on a lunch with a public relations person and a colleague and halfway through the lunch I felt abysmal. Was it, was it a boozy lunch? There was booze but I wasn't drink. I maybe started drinking some of the booze but I don't think it was linked to the booze okay. but then I did go back to the office and throw up Okay. and then I had to say to my 
boss, I've got to go, I feel ill. Yeah. But she misheard me. And what did she think you said? She just, I don't th- I don't know what she thought I said, but it didn't I she just never heard but I always said I wanted to go and then she sort of just said, Oh, can you just do this? And then she hadn't actually looked her sort of white as a sheet. <laughs> so eventually looked around and said, Oh yeah, you should probably go home. But yeah, I, I did feel guilty doing that. But I think there's a lot of too much. I think people feel too guilty about looking after themselves sometimes. I mean, there are some illnesses where not necessarily sicknesses where, where where you can have a condition, such as you can have MS or ME, where you have a lot of fatigue, and that can mean it can be hard to get into the office at set times, and you may need a bit more flexibility. What's your approach to that? Well, I haven't come across that. I haven't had that in my working life, but I would hope that any employer would make the necessary uh, changes and flexibility for that person. And that was a penny for your thoughts. If there's anything you'd like us to discuss, do feel free to get in touch via our social networks. Do you know some of those? I've heard of the Facebook. Yeah. The Twitter. Yeah. You can comment via iTunes, Podbean and SoundCloud. Great. It'll be, it'll be um, good to hear people's thoughts about what they'd like us to discuss. Remember, we're making this podcast for you, so if there's something you want us to talk about, let us know. And that is all we've got time for on this episode. Please remember that anything discussed in this programme should not be viewed as financial advice. If you do need support, eh, please visit the Orchard Practice website at www.topfs.co.uk. Do feel free to leave any feedback and post any financial issues you'd like us to cover. But for now, thank you for being in for a penny.